Hello, welcome to the podcast. This is the podcast for the second issue of Itham. Um, it's a beautiful day outside. It's uh, sunny here in Buffalo. We made it through another winter. Uh, I just, before we start the issue, I quickly want to say thank you for everyone who supported the first issue, who posted about it, all of the people who sent submissions in. I had, it was so much fun listening to those. Please keep sending them. Please keep reaching out. Um, this has been uh, a really uh, revitalizing project for me, um, and I'm excited to keep doing it. So let's get down to it. For this second issue, we again used the call and response structure, which means that we solicited one piece from a poet, and then we sent that piece around to some other poets, and they responded, some directly, some more indirectly. Uh, we got some fantastic responses. We had the incredible luck of getting a piece from Robin Schiff, uh, who actually worked in collaboration with the poet and sound designer Nick Twemlow, who also happens to be Schiff's husband. They worked together on a piece um, that uh, surprised all of us by having us go back and reread Arthur Miller. So uh, Schiff doesn't need any further introduction. She's one of my favorite poets. She has a book out. Um, new book of poems uh, called The Woman of Property from Penguin that was just out of March. Uh, everyone should go check it out. But here's, uh, here's Schiff's piece. Death of a Salesman I could be happy if I wasn't Biff, we call to each other weekly to say carrots and peas, which looks like talking. Oh wall, oh wall, oh sweet and lovely wall, like an international dateline running through the kitchen. There is something between happy and me, an intramural distance, a boundlessness, a destiny. There is a wall line played by Tom Snout, a very good role. You have to go through Snout to get to me. He is outstanding, he says. Imagine me. The fourth wall is missing. It has no speaking part. I wonder if Biff is short for belief. With my hand, I played the crack through which I speak. I love that piece. Uh, one of the pleasures of putting this together is that I listen to these pieces like a hundred times and uh, that piece has not lost any of its intensity for me. I I love the sound design on that too, The what was done with that laugh track that got embedded uh, really deep in the background there. Um, the use of ambient sound I think is really interesting too in the way that interacts with the, the words spoken by Schiff. Um, this, this is why I, I wanted to follow that piece with this next piece by Lytton Smith because I think he also makes really interesting use of ambient sound in the recording that he uh, gave us. I, I was not familiar with Smith's work until very recently, um, but I realized that sound is really, really central to his compositional and creative process and to his poetry. So it was an, an incredibly exciting discovery to uh, see his work. I was reading around 
a poetics forum at uh, run by SUNY Geneseo where Smith teaches and in the comments section on one of the blog posts he asks this great question really pithy isn't sound a form itself which is that could be a sort of tagline for them I think uh, anyway here is here's Smith's piece you here in this room's audio or not dot dash dot dot dash dash dot 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 dash 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 your apostrophe arrives in the post and I map your address to a spot in the ocean's discrepance dear theory of irregularities of distribution dear world service dear eventuality at which the pips at which the time will be after the apostrophe posts to the sound bed an audio primer Air molecules are under pressure, with my hand kneading an intermediary, the ungluing envelope, tearing paper. Footsteps of the apostrophe strafing away from me. Dear in this room where the voices are. Dear worth. Dear hear me. Dear letter S faintly dotting across the Atlantic a mistake. Dear Dear world service and dear shipping forecast and what plays base when I think of Atlantic and shipping and this clipped British sense of service. Dear theory in which I take the international dateline but not the prime meridian. Dear what else waits for us out there. This is maybe kind of an embarrassing admission, but when I had solicited Smith's piece, I hadn't realized that he was a British writer, British-American, and when uh, we corresponded a little bit, and then when I got the piece from him and listened to it, I was like, oh, um, this is one of the, the sort of, those kinds of small discoveries I think you don't necessarily make if you're editing a print journal. The, uh, the next piece that I want to introduce here is uh, Katie Peterson, who, like Schiff, is a poet whose work I've admired for a long time. I actually came to Peterson's work originally via Emily Dickinson. She's written a lot about Dickinson. Uh, she has a paper with this very Itham-esque title on Dickinson called Surround Sound, Dickinson's Self and the Hearable, where she writes about listening and sound and forms of collectivity. It's a fantastic paper. I actually wanted to read, She at one point she quotes pretty extensively from the Dickinson family hymnal, the hymnal that they had around their house. And uh, I love this one part. I just wanted to read this quickly. The essential feature of chorus singing, the blending of voices, by which the impurity of individual tones is neutralized and dissonance harmonized, and in which consists in a great degree its strength and its beauty, is obtained almost without effort when many voices, even 50 or 100, join in one melody. And I was thinking about that quote, I was thinking about choral singing, and I was thinking, you know, in them has to do like a chorus issue, and I have no idea how that's going to work, but um, until then, uh, here's Katie Peterson's uh, response to Schiff. Do. Each night, for three, 
So you could become the stage manager in our town, the part and not the job. You sat as a cinnamon roll got made of your own hair, pinned and coiled, so it could be kept up, hinged at the back, to elevate the excess so the aerial view could be priceless, hardened backstage by aerosol, two containers total, the extra half for the dress rehearsal. You caught at intermission, backing into the wings for your only break, as your part required you to be seen for all the acts, the words old-fashioned and sweet, from a few female mouths familiar from the grocery or library, caught in your ear those thoughts about your hair which couldn't ever hold on its own, the strays lifted out of place to smooth the sides by the moonlighting registrar whose hands by day turned the morning excuses of your friends into pink slips and then watched time they could do nothing with. She had experience, and as she did your due, told you how to burn a Ouija if the spirits leaked. Your hair held through those acts whose lines you swallowed and those you faked, and many told you the foot and spotlights made good passage in between the strands, giving the appearance of hovering to what the doer referred to as your coiffure. You were good, you told yourself, said saints and poets, maybe they do some, to the principal the night he graced the audience with his presence, since you'd been taught to gild whatever lily appeared in that theatrical dark didn't touch the statue you'd become in any way might let its makers down. Truth is, you longed to get your hands on that hollow as soon as the applause fell, and since you knew your endurance of the noise of other people's enjoyment existed as requirement, knew you would have to wait. Next up is Michael Joseph Walsh. Walsh is a younger poet. He's getting his PhD in creative writing right now at Denver, but his poems have appeared in a bunch of great places. You can find them online, uh, places like Fence, Diagram. Uh, he also edits a small journal called Apartment Poetry, which was, it's an online journal, and it was actually a, a major inspiration for Itham in terms of its design and its layout. So it's fantastic to have him on the on the issue. The piece that he gave me, um, which was a, sort of an oblique response to Schiff, is actually a portion from the thesis that he's working on right now at Denver. And um, I'm really excited for the project to be finished and to be out there so I can read it. And I think you'll see why. Here's Walsh. After he sung, a novel. Five. After that, the horizon seemed closer. I played with a magnifying glass. I played with a mirror. I was remote from poetry and willing to feel anything. I went outside, and it was a glorious noon, the kind in which nothing is ever forgotten, nothing digested. Pleasure, pleasure, I thought, until I found myself engrossed in it. After a while, the light split open, rainbowed out its entrails, and I stood and stared until I was left with a feeling that I thought the wrong thought, that without meaning to, I'd invited the devil in. For days afterward, I felt numinous and a little evil, and sleepy for no reason at all. 6. Even then, the panic was just another point beside the main point, 
the non-point. A few particular people would creep into my periphery and hang there, right where a person's head would be, but never for very long. There's no accounting for taste, I thought. I wanted to abandon everything. I simpered. I played at vulnerability. Even in my sleep, I was like a doll in a music box. There I'd be, facing myself, just a flawless pair of eyes, while the night sky waved like a sea of roiling handkerchiefs. Goodbye, I'd say, goodbye, letting the words glisten like oil and spread across my face. 7. I woke up feeling nervous and disoriented, thinking musically. Is this what it means to panic? I tried to imagine what it would feel like to reflect everything. The incredible red with the green and blue. It's all a matter of technique, I thought. I'd take the best of my dreams and grind them into poems, potential friends. Driving home, it occurred to me that it's important to resist the urge to beautify, if that's what the situation requires. I can say now I felt better as a result. Life whirled around amid the commotion. The sky blinked open for an instant, and I immediately felt sandy all over my skin. 8. Wouldn't that be something, I thought, after all this time? But that was it. That was life in the afternoon. A sense of paralysis, of the body locking up. It was like being in a house of mirrors in which every face is perpetually on its way, and it was pleasurable, deeply pleasurable. I was a person, a personality. I had a particular history and an audience in mind. A self needs an audience, I thought. A self is a season. After that, I wrote down my thoughts in the order in which they occurred. I swallowed a lot of water. I was proud and ashamed of my pride. I heard the sounds of cars, of helicopters and the like. And for a while the world was silly, but beautifully so. And life was an exorcism seen through to the end. So last up, but certainly not least, is a piece by Sheila McMullen. McMullen is also a younger poet, uh, again, who has published in a number of really great places. She runs a blog on poetic feminism or feminist poetics called Moonspit, which describes itself as Moonspit is feminine grit. Um, I thought there was no better way to end the podcast than with McMullen's piece, so I'm going to let her close it out. Um, it's it's you can as you'll hear it's uh, it's really picks up on a lot of shifts language and really riffs and responds in a way that I that I love. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast for issue two. Thank you for continuing to support Ithem. Look out for issue three. Should be a couple months, maybe sometime in the fall. Um, yeah, here's McMullen. If I should rename myself. If I should rename myself, I am if. The distance between chain and shadow, brighter than the light through my mouth renamed as a bud, standing as a man across from me. Two cupped hands over his eyes, we were in love once, in our other life. When it was our roots that were exposed and our trunk that was submerged. When I was a girl, then a living girl. When I had touched my own palm to my forehead, and that is what healed me. 
If I had tried harder, maybe I could have been something more experimental. If I would have swallowed the light, made swords out of my throat, a gentle family drinking coffee and wine together, a belly of wakefulness. My body, a wall between me and what is behind me, always tuning shadows, turning for the chase, the cracked yoke of the sun high overhead. If I could summarize all the sounds from my past, it would sound like shuffling feet and coughs. If I could mimic all the shuffling sounds in my head, it would sound like this. <laughs>